different um, voices. Y'all want to hear some of my different voices? I'm lying. That would be funny, though. That would be funny. I'm just joking. Okay, everybody's got a sermon handout. We're in a great series. What's the name of our series? What's the name of the series? Okay, y'all need to show the visitors that y'all pay attention each week. Um, okay, uh, oh, this past weekend, somebody wonderful had a birthday. Who was it? <laughs> Debbie said me. Where's Debbie at? Uh, Debbie said, Debbie had one. My wife had one. Asher had one. Who else had a birthday this past week? Oh, oh, uh, yeah. You had one? When is your birthday? How old are you going to be? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Happy birthday, everybody. Okay. First Thessalonians 2 4. God has approved and accepted me. Jeremiah 29 11. God has a great plan for my life. Guess what we did for, for my wife's birthday? We had a vegan breakfast. It was disgusting, but we did it. <laughs> Joshua 24, 15 is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> Dear God, give me some meat. Isaiah 43, 19, God can make a way where there is no way. God can make a way where there is no way. Luke 4, 18, the Lord has anointed me. I am anointed. God has a great plan for my life, and I will fulfill my destiny. Before you sit down, fist bump somebody and say, I love you, but I don't love you enough to shake your hand. <laughs> so excited y'all are here today. We encourage you to mute your cell phones and open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. And if you're watching us online, we're excited to have you. Um, don't let this take the place of your home church. This is like vitamins to add to your uh, meat and potatoes that you eat on Sunday morning. But never let online church take the place of a real family. But we are very thankful that you're watching us online. And we'd love for you to leave a comment if it's good um, and like us. Uh, on Facebook and so excited to have you. So we're on a series called The Order of Life and we'll do this for the sake of our visitors and if you didn't get one of the uh, bookmarks that my wife made, be sure to pick one up after service. They're around here somewhere and, and for the sake of our visitors, um, let's do it together. So ready? Words produce, thoughts produce, emotions produce, beliefs produce, actions produce, habits produce, and character produces your destiny. That's right. So God's words would produce godly. Okay. Negative beliefs produce negative. Okay, good. Just make sure this is the order of life, and you can't skip one, and we're going through it every week. The CDs are at the back of church uh, for the past several weeks, and when we're done with the series, they'll be mastered and edited and, and ready for it to pick up as well. Here's what I want you to see. Before we get into today's subject, before we get into part seven, I want you to see this, and I want you to understand the truth that the closer you get to any destination on earth, the less options you have. Um, in other words, the road will always be more and more narrow as you get to a certain location. Um, if you were to go to Atlanta today, when you leave the church, you can go left or right out of the parking lot and you'll be okay. You can take 501 or 544. But as you're getting closer and closer to Atlanta, the options for roads are going to get lesser and lesser. Um, what I mean is you can't just live any way you want to live and expect to reach the destination that God has for you on earth. 
Now, this is not a series on grace. This is not how you get to heaven, uh, not eternal destination. That's based on uh, belief in God's belief in God's word, belief in Jesus. But this is your destination on earth. Uh, let me say it like this. We have thousands of thoughts every day. We have to learn how to control our thoughts. We have hundreds of feelings, dozens of beliefs, less actions than that, and even our habitual life is less than our... And then on, so the closer you get to a certain destination, the more obedient you must be. There's this uh, millennial Christian view going on right now in the world that says, as long as I love Jesus, I can do whatever I want to do and I'll end up you know, fulfilling my destiny. That's not how it works. You can't just marry anybody and expect to fulfill your destiny. You can't um, take any job. You can't just go to any church. is good, but you can't just go to any church. You can't go to any church. Uh, friends are good. You can't have just any friend. The closer you get to truth, the more narrow the road is. That's why uh, the Bible even talks about how the road to life is narrow and the road to hell is, um, is, is much wider and broader. Because the closer you get to any truth, the more narrow the road is. So I want you to not be shocked that our sermons in this series are becoming more and more convicting. Um, they're becoming more and more about, I need to obey God. Because if, you, if, if God tells you to turn left and you turn right and you keep doing that over and over again, listen, you're not going to get to the location God wants you to get to. Are we all on the same page? Do we all understand this truth? In other words, today in part 7 we talk about character. I'm going to have to get all up in your business. Because we are just one step away from destiny. We can't do whatever we want to do and live however we want to live and think that we're going to get to where God wants us to get. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't, it, 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 the same true if you're, let's say, with your parents. Your parents tell you, you know, don't hang out with this person, uh, don't do drugs, da, da, da. If you listen to them, you'll get to a certain place. If you don't listen to them, you'll get into a certain place. But it won't be the same place. So we're all on the same page with this, right? Okay, so part seven, we're talking about character. Everybody say character. There's two synonyms I want you to write down next to the word character on your handout. And that is this, um, integrity and honesty. Integrity and honesty. We don't hear much about these words in society today. We don't hear a lot about people talking about honesty, integrity, excellence, um, character, things like that. It seems like society, people will lie, cheat, and steal and think that not, don't even think twice about it. They'll, they'll smile at you and shake your hand. It's good to see you. And they'll stab you in the back for $20 if, if, they, if they think they'll, they'll get ahead by doing it. Um, we should not be shocked when we turn on the news and see our political leaders bad-mouthing each other, calling each other names like they're in middle school or kindergarten, screaming, yelling, cussing. This should not shock us because for a lot of people, that's in their home. It starts in their actual home. I know people that they'll, they'll be kinder to their co-workers than they are their own spouse. Or on Facebook, it looks like they're in love, but behind the scenes, they're cussing each other out every day. This happens in our schools, and you might not believe me, but middle school is experimenting with sex and, and, and homosexual activity and drugs and, and, and cutting themselves. This is the norm in middle school, not college, not high school, middle school. I mean, it, we can't be shocked because, like I said, it starts in our own homes. There used to be a phrase back in the um, 80s with Christians, and it was this, don't do anything you wouldn't want read in the newspaper the next day. Y'all remember that phrase? They'd say, you know, you don't need to do anything you wouldn't want your local news to hear about. The things Christians post on social media for the whole world to see 
is far worse than the things we didn't want anyone to know about in the 80s. It's like we're not even ashamed to do the wrong thing. We can put, we can share bigotry, we can share uh, racist, racist quotes, we can share nasty videos. The pictures that people put of themselves on social media are the things that people used to hide in magazines back in the 70s and 80s. And we just put on it for everybody to see. And we wonder why so many people today are not fulfilling the destiny that God has for them. Um, back in the 80s, if you were a Christian and you wanted to watch like that bad movie, Basic Instinct. Now, I never saw the movie because I'm a really good Christian man. But that Basic Instinct, it was that movie, that blonde-headed lady. Um, I just wanted to see which one of y'all watched it. That's right. Okay. I know who Sharon Stone is. But there was, this, there was this company back in the day called Blockbuster. I don't know if you ever heard of a Blockbuster before. It was a storefront to where if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go in there and you rented this thing called a VHS. And you put it inside of this thing called a VCR. And if you were ADD, it took a lot. Well, anyway, and so, so you'd get it and you'd have to wait till nobody was in Blockbuster but the clerk. Because you were about to rent Basic Instinct, right? And so you'd wait and you'd be in the family section. And just when everything was clear, you'd run over there to that rated R section. You'd grab Basic Instinct. You'd try to make it to the cash register before anybody from church came in. And if somebody from church was coming in, you'd have to grab a family movie to put on top of it, like Ernest Goes to Camp or Pee Wee's Playhouse or whatever it is, right? Put it on top and just say, hey, how you doing? And you'd rent that thing and you'd watch Okay, the things that Christians take videos of themselves and post for the whole world to see is worse than the movies Christians used to hide watching 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's sad what our world is coming to. It's a lack of character. It's a lack of integrity. People are two-faced. They're not the same. If you were to ask your children, you know, is daddy the same person out in public as he is in private, what would they say? You know, at church, mommy and daddy act like Jesus, but when they get home, they act like the devil, you know? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable to our character. Here's what this means. I'm not talking to you today about going to heaven. There's a lot of things that you can actually get away with and still go to heaven. There's a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways you can treat people and still make it to heaven. But my question for you today is, how far do you want to go on earth? What do you want the destination to be for you on earth? How far do you want God to take you? You can't be a person of great influence unless you have character. If you want to influence your community... If you want to influence your friends, if you want to influence the people that you work with, you can't just live however you want to live and expect to be everything that God's called you to be. Um, uh, a person of character does not text their buddy at work and say, I need you to clock in for me when you get there because I'm going to be 20 minutes late. A person of character does not go to Walmart and get the grapes and eat half the bag of grapes. And by the time you get to the cash register, I'm just paying for that half. You know, that's just paying for what's left. A person of character does not put their groceries away in the car and then leave the shopping cart in the parking space next to you. You put it back, even if it's cold, even if it's rainy. You hear me, northerners? You put it back. I'm just kidding. 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 <laughs> what I mean is you can do those things and still go to heaven. But God may not be able to use you like he wants to here on earth. 
Proverbs 19, 1 says it's better to be poor and walk in integrity than be a rich person no one can trust. Um, here's what this is saying. It's better that you are honest in that business deal and you make $50 off of it than you fudge things and have to be a little bit shady and make $500. It's better that you, you don't take advantage of the people, that you're honest about what's wrong with their car or you're honest about what you're selling them or you're honest about whatever you're doing on eBay uh, and make just a few dollars than, than have to lie a little bit. And you say, oh, it's just a white lie. Lies are not color-coded in the Bible. A lie is a lie. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. You can't do those things and expect God to get you where he wants you to get to. Now, here's why this subject's so important. is because of this. Trust is based on character. Trust is not based on how talented somebody is. Trust is not based on how much you like them. Trust is not based on who they portray to be on Facebook. Trust is based on character. This means if you're going to give someone your heart, if you're going to um, have an intimate relationship, if you're going to trust and confide in somebody, if you're going to trust somebody with the keys to your store, if you're going to hire them for a high-level position, it can't be based on how much you like them. It can't be based on how talented they are. It can't be based on how smart they are. It has to be based solely on their level of character. This is how you know how much to give yourself to somebody. This is how you know how much you can actually trust them. Based on their character. Now, how do you know what their character is like? Here's how you know. Matthew 12, 33. A tree is known, recognized, and judged by its fruit. Here's what you look at. You look at their habitual lifestyle. What have they produced year after year? An apple tree produces apples season after season after season. It continues and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm not talking about one or two things they've done. Those are actions. I'm talking about what have they habitually produced. You might not be their judge, but you are their fruit inspector. You are called to look at their life and see what has come out. What have they produced? What has come out of their life? This is how you know what their character is like so you know whether or not you should trust them. Okay? So um, I have three points for you today um, on your notes. The first point is this, the results of ungodly character. Now, we're gonna, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Okay? I wanted you to know what will happen if you continuously disobey God. I'm not talking about big, huge things. I'm talking about little, everyday things. I want you to know what it's like if your character does not rise to the level God's called you to rise to, okay? In your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story of a rich man named Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. He was the captain of the Syrian army. He had leprosy, and he got sick and was going to die, but he found the prophet Elisha. Everybody say Shah. It's very important. Not Jah. Say Jah. No. Shah. Okay, Elisha. He found Elisha in 2 Kings 5.16. Um, he found him and Elisha healed him. And so Naaman said, I want you to accept a gift. And Elisha said, no, I don't want a gift. No big deal. So Naaman starts going home on his horse. This is what it looks like on his horse, right? He's traveling on his horse. And then, but, but Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. Now, when I picture Gehazi, because you know me, I'm very animated. I picture Gehazi being like a bad guy in a Disney movie like a cartoon like Jafar or the bad guy in Aladdin, where you don't know if they're a bad guy at first, but they turn out to be a bad guy. That's, I picture him having a long goatee, and for some reason in my mind, he's not American. He has like an accent of some kind. And in verse 20, Elisha's servant said, uh, Gehazi said to himself, My master, that's what I'd be like, my, he's like rubbing his goatee, should have taken Naaman's gift. Now I will run after him and take something from him. Ah, 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 ah. So he thought, this is, I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to get some money from him. So he follows up to Naaman. He gets over to him. And he, he says, Naaman, in verse 22, my master, which is a lie, asked me to get from you 3,000 pieces of silver and some fine clothes. 
Gehazi thought, man, I'm going to get ahead. Boy, this business deal, I'm going to really make it. I'm going to be able to pay some bills off. I'm going to be able to go on vacation. He flat out lied, but uh, Naaman gave him all the money. Naaman gave him all this stuff, and so then um, Gehazi gets back home, and he hides the money, and he's walking in the living room like it's no big deal, and in verse 25, Elisha says this, where have you been? Gehazi says, I've been nowhere. I don't know what he says. said. I haven't been anywhere. Have you ever noticed how one lie always leads to another lie? It always leads to another lie. And then you end up at a place in life where you're not even yourself. Because you're so fake trying to be what everybody thinks you are, you don't even know who you are anymore. And you look and say, how did I get to this? How did I get here? I used to be uh, so, I used to enjoy my life. I was successful. I had a great relationship. Everything was fine. How did I get to this place? Just one lie after the next, after the next. And here's the saddest thing in verse 26. Elisha said this, wasn't my spirit with you when you met Naaman? Now his leprosy will be on you. Don't you know that Gehazi would have given all that money back just like that if it meant not having leprosy, if it meant being able to fill his destiny? Now, here's, some, here's some points I want you to see from this story. Here's the first point. We can never hide from God. You might not know this. You might be shocked by this, but God can see the websites that you look at. I don't know if you know that or not. He's part of that. He knows about the World Wide Web. He can... God can see the way you treat your family behind closed doors. God can see into your heart. God can see when you're at Target and you got your kids and you, you know one of y'all knocks over some clothes off the rack and you pretend like you didn't see it happen and you just keep going. God sees. God sees how much money you make and he sees how much money you give to his kingdom based on how much money you make. God sees it all. You might can hide from people. You might, can hide, you might can hide from everybody you work with. You might can hide from the whole world. You can't hide from God. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says God's constantly watching us. Here's why. He wants to show himself strong. Here's in who? People who obey and have a good heart. I want you to see the correlation. Their heart's right. They obey. It bothers me so bad when a Christian says, Well, my heart's right, but are you obeying? Well, my heart's right. Then your heart's not right. Jesus said, If you love me, you obey my commands. What's very interesting about this story is this. Elisha was the servant to Elijah. Okay? Their names just happened to be similar. They were not related in any way. And Elisha was a faithful servant to Elijah. He did very menial tasks, nothing big. He didn't have the keys to the store. He wasn't given a promotion. All, he took him water. He ran errands. He answered the door for him. Uh, you can read in the Bible all these little different things. He sent letters off, stuff like that. Elijah did seven huge miracles. When Elijah died, Elisha, the servant, got a double portion, the Bible says, of Elijah's anointing. Twice as much money, twice as much joy, twice as much power. In fact, Elisha did 14 huge miracles, which is double Elijah. Which means the destiny that God had planned for Gehazi. If he had been faithful and honest in the little things, he would have had a double anointing as Elisha, which would have been four times the anointing as Elijah. But he didn't have a character that could sustain the destiny God had for him. God will never take us 
where our character cannot keep us. Because he knows we'll get demoted. He knows we'll lose it. You know, if you keep reading the Bible, you read a lot about Elijah. You read about a lot about Elisha. After this incident, we never read about Gehazi ever again. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't let something small prevent God from doing something big in your life. It's not a huge, it's not some huge horrible action. It's don't let these small things, these everyday little things that, that nobody sees but God stop him from doing something great in your future. Let me lighten the mood a little bit. There was this guy that was a butcher and um, he was about to close up shop and this old lady came in and she said, I want to buy a chicken. And he only had one chicken left, so he puts it up on the scale for her. And she says, you know what, I, I wanted something bigger than that. Uh, do you have something else? So he took that same chicken, put it back underneath the counter, pulled it back out, same one, put it on the scale. But this time he very cleverly left his thumb on the scale to make it weigh more. The lady thought about it for a minute and said, you know what, I can't make my mind up. I'll take both of them. <laughs> Numbers 32:23. be sure your sin will find you out. That's the result of ungodly. None of y'all would do that, would you? Northerners. And uh, so point number two, I'm just kidding, I'm joking, I'm joking. Number two is this, ready? The result of godly character. The result of godly character. Okay, for your notes, in the Greek language, which is the language the New Testament was written in, the word integrity is the same word as the word prosperity. That's so interesting to me because the Greek language is actually more sophisticated than the English language. There's more words in Greek. Yet, when it came to this, the same word in Greek for prosperity is the same word for Greek and charity. Here's what I mean. A lot of us want God to prosper us, but it's not going to happen unless we have the integrity that's needed to sustain that prosperity. Uh, Psalms 18.20 says this, The Lord rewards me according to my integrity. He doesn't reward us according to how talented we are. He doesn't reward us according to how, how much education we have. He doesn't reward us according to um, how, how much people like us and approve of us and vote on for us and how, you know, the, the approval of people. He rewards us according to our integrity. And we all want God to prosper us, but it's not going to happen unless we grow to the integrity we need to sustain that promotion in life. Um, I told you about that this this millennial Christian view that, you know, I can love Jesus and I can do whatever I want to do and serve however I want to serve and the church should let me preach and teach no matter how I live. Just because I love God, that is such a false lie. It's so sad that we believe that in our society today. Every position actually has different levels of character requirements. Every position, every position, every, even outside the kingdom. If you're a parent and you're doing drugs and you're doing, they'll take your children away. They won't even let you parent your children based on certain levels of character. Um, every position in, in the in working fields is based on character. And the same is true with the church. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you can just serve however you want to serve. And let me show you a story, in fact. Remember King Saul. God chose King Saul to be king. Chose him. This was Saul's position. Everybody say position. 1 Samuel 13, 14. Saul, because you have done foolishly, the Lord has chosen David, a man of God's heart, to take your place. God removed Saul from his position because of his character. He was greedy, prideful, and jealous. Greedy, prideful, and jealous. And God removed him from the position. You can't do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live and be who God calls you to be at the same time. You can't do it. The closer you get to your destination on earth, the more narrow the road's got to be. But here's what's so funny to me. God said, Saul, you're greedy, jealous, and prideful, so I'm removing you. But hey, that guy that's going to commit adultery and murder, 
I'm putting him in your place. In fact, Psalm 78, 72 says, David was a good shepherd who took care of his people. He guided them with integrity and an upright heart. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He committed adultery and murder, and God said, that's a man of integrity. And then Saul was pride, greedy, and jealous, and God removed him from the throne. Explain this to me. The order of life does not go from actions to character. It goes from actions to habits to character. King Saul never repented for the way he was living. Pride, greed, and jealousy. Day in and day out. He never said, God, I don't want to be like this. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, change me. I repent. I want you to, God, you got to do a work in me. I don't want to keep being jealous of David. I don't want to keep being prideful. And the thing. God, just help me. He never repented. David, however, commits adultery and murder, and he repents, and God says, that's a man of integrity. This is good news for all of us, because this means no matter how bad of a person you were yesterday, you can repent today and become a person of integrity today. A character is gauged by our habitual lifestyle, not on the basis of a few isolated actions. Man, this is great news. The character that you need to stay in destiny is not based on a few bad things you've done in your life or not even on a few good things. It's based on your habitual lifestyle in Christ. There's a story that always touched my heart. I've told you before and I love it. But um, Al Capone, the big mobster, you know, back in the day, he um, had a lawyer named Easy Eddie. And Easy Eddie had no integrity. True story. Easy Eddie would do anything to keep Al Capone and the mobsters out of jail. And he was a very successful lawyer at what he did. He was compensated greatly for his work. Easy Eddie, though, had a little boy. And with all of Easy Eddie's wealth, with all of his contacts, with all of his influence, there were two things he could never give his son. A good name and a good example of godly character. He got so... Um, felt so guilty he couldn't even live with himself. So fully aware of his consequences, Easy Eddie went to the authorities and he confessed everything wrong he had done. He wanted to teach his son that somehow excellence, honor, uh, character, integrity is, is, is very important, is worth living. Easy Eddie ended up testifying against Al Capone and the mob and just as he expected, his life ended in a hail of gunfire right outside of his home. It is very, very difficult to do the right thing when everything around you is doing the wrong thing. It's difficult to live sexually pure when every other kid in school is experimenting. It's very difficult to not complain about the boss and to honor that authority figure in your life when everyone at work is gossiping and murmuring about how much they can't stand the boss, can't stand their job. It's very difficult to be modest when everybody in Myrtle Beach is not. Listen, if you can be a Christian in Myrtle Beach, you're doing good. Like, this is the closest to hell that I think anybody can get. You don't know what hell looks like? Walk out on the beach during summer. You don't know what hell looks like? Look at Facebook of people that live in Myrtle Beach. You know, I mean, that's like you got windows into hell around here, but that's no excuse. It's no excuse 
Well, they do it. Everybody around me, this is all, my parents, this is all I've ever known. All over my parents, none of them honor God. None of them read their Bible. Doesn't matter. You can't base your integrity or your character on what you've seen growing up. You got. I've never met anybody who just followed the crowd and fulfilled their God-given destiny. Several years later, during World War II, there was a U.S. airman named Butch O'Hare. He was flying a fighter plane on a mission. Just after takeoff, he realized that his fuel was totally empty. He had to drop out of formation, head back. On his way back, he saw ten enemy planes heading towards his fleet of friends who he just left. With his adrenaline pumping, he turned around and on his own, he attacked all ten planes. Outnumbered ten to one, he ended up saving every last one of his friends. There was gunfire, smoke, but he defeated all last one of them. A year later, he was killed in an aerial combat mission. And in his memory, Chicago named their airport after him. O'Hare Airport. What makes this story so significant is that Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's little boy. This family went from no integrity, no honesty. One generation later, the whole world knows their name. If you won't fulfill your destiny and honor God for your own self, at least do it for your children and those who follow along after you. It says in Proverbs 20 verse 7, God loyal people walk in integrity. Blessed are his children after him. You may not can leave your kids money, buildings, cars. But you know what you can leave them? You can leave them a good name and a good example. If you do it for nobody else, if you go to church for nobody else, go to church for your kids. You say, well, they don't even live with me anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The life you live, God's watching. Your kids may not even be watching. God's watching. And he's promised, I'll honor your children when you walk in integrity. So, point number three is the easy one, okay? And, and I'm going to give you point number three. And I dare you, I dare you to leave this church and forget what I'm about to say. I'll be so upset if you do that. Because these last points, I'm going to teach you how to have a God, path to godly character. Path to godly character. These last few points sound very simple, but they are 100% Bible and 100% true, okay? No matter what level of integrity you have right now, these last three points will get you where God wants you to be. Okay, here's the first one. Always go the extra mile. No matter what you're ever asked to do, always go above and beyond. Always. Matthew 5.41 says, Jesus said, if someone compels you to go a mile, go with them two miles. Jesus said this because back in those days, if a Roman soldier saw somebody and he was, had, his, had all of his armor, he could tell that citizen, hey, I need you to carry my armor for me. And the citizen would be required to carry the Roman soldier's armor one full mile. As soon as the mile was up, the citizens could say, okay, man, here you go. I'm done. you got to find somebody else now. And they could go about the way. Jesus said, when you're asked to go one mile, go above and beyond. You say, well, I'm not even a, I'm not even a, a Roman citizen. I don't even like this Roman soldier. It doesn't matter. If you're, asked to, if you're asked to be there at 9, be there at 8.55. If you're asked to take out the trash, you do it with the biggest smile on your face. You take that trash out better than anybody's ever taken that trash out. If all you have is a little bit, you're in a perfect position for God to bless you with much. Which is the next point, 3B. Do the right thing in little areas. In the small, we all think that it's the big things 
that God, it's the small things that he's looking at, the small things. Uh, Luke 19, 17, well done, excellent servant, because you've been faithful with little. Look what kind of servant is faithful with little, an excellent one. I'll put you in charge of much. And it says, I'll put you in charge of much. God's the promoter. If you're not being promoted in the area, you can't say, well, it's because they don't like me. No, because God is more powerful than the people that don't like you. If you say, well, I'm not being promoted because of who the president is, God is more powerful than the president. Well, I'm not being promoted because of the way I was raised, we all just, no, 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 it's not. It's between you and God. You can never blame your lack of promotion on anybody but yourself. So my question is, if there's any area of your life today where you're not being rewarded, could that be an area that you don't have godly character? Could it be? We all think this thought, man, after I'm in charge of much, after, I, after God gets me there, then I'm going to have some good character. Then I'm going to have some godly habits. Then I'm going to start. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. We all think that. you got to be faithful with where you're at right now. Uh, the third thing is this. Never stop moving forward in God. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to, oh, I can't believe I did that. If you, if you did the wrong thing ten times today, get up, and tomorrow maybe you'll only do the wrong thing nine times. It doesn't just keep going forward in God. It says in uh, Romans 5-4, endurance or perseverance develops maturity of character or integrity. What that means is just keep going forward in God. Don't stop. Don't let anything stop you from getting to the top of the mountain. Don't let anybody, any demon, nothing, you, no failure ever stop you from going forward and serving God. I heard somebody say there's two types of people in the world. There's people who they want to feel good and everything get just right and comfortable and then they'll do the right thing. And then there's people that just, they do the right thing and then later on they, they feel good about it. If you're the type of person that is waiting to feel good first, if you're waiting for your emotions to be just right and settled and you're waiting for people to cheer you on and you're waiting for everybody else to, and then you do the right thing, listen, you will very rarely ever do the right thing. This is character versus comfort. All through our life, we have to make this decision. Do I want to be comfortable right now or do I want to grow in my character? Because for the most part, you can't do both. Um, saying that, let me say it like this, um, it's, it's, you're going to have to sacrifice sometimes to, to do the right thing. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to um, be made fun of. You're going to have to be called names. You're going to have to um, uh, make decisions that people, no one may cheer you on. If you want to have the character to sustain the destiny that God has for you. I'll close with this story. I was reading about the uh, these, these mountains in Switzerland a while back. And they have <clears throat> these different <clears throat> hiking trails where they, they have a tour guide and they get a group of people. And they do, they do one every day just about. And the average person like myself can actually climb this mountain. They spend one day going up the mountain, they camp out at the top, and they spend the next day going back down to the bottom. They get the group together, everybody pays the money. And when they get about five hours into the hike up the mountain, about halfway up the mountain... There's a house, believe it or not, called the Halfway House. They go inside and they rest. It's about noontime. As soon as they walk in, lunch is already made for them. There's hot, warm vegetable soup, sandwiches. There's a fire in the fireplace. There's couches and cozy chairs. They have games for you to play and enjoy. And the people get inside. They eat. They laugh. They take off their gear. 
They take in all the refreshing atmosphere. But after about 90 minutes, the instructor blows the whistle and he says, everybody put on your gear, get ready for the next five to seven hours to hike to the top of the mountain. I was reading some of the reviews and some of the things that people said. And one guy talked about, he said, you know, everybody at the beginning of the day, they all paid to go to the top of the mountain. They all planned on going to the top of the mountain. They all desired to go to the top of the mountain. But once they reached that halfway house, he said that half of the people every day decide to stay there for the night. They like the fire, the food. They settle for reaching halfway up the mountain. They tell their friends, when you're on your way back down tomorrow, we'll catch up with you and then we'll head down the mountain together. And so the, half the group puts on their gear and they start heading up the mountain in the cold, reaching their destination. But about 5 p.m. in the halfway house, without anybody saying a word, the people in the halfway house, they gravitate very slowly toward the huge window where you can see the entire mountain. They pull out their binoculars and they look at their friends who are at the very top getting their tents ready, high-fiving each other, putting their flags in the ground. In the halfway house, it becomes very quiet, very somber, because at that moment, everyone in the house realizes they all made a mistake. They sold their mission for a little bit of comfort. The next morning, the friends are coming down the mountain, and they're laughing and talking about what they saw, and how they had to join teams and hold hands and help each other at certain places. They show the group picture with the flag in the top of the mountain. And the people who remain, they don't say very much. They're very quiet. After lunch, they all go back down the mountain together. Those who paid the price and got to the very top, man, they greet their family and they show them pictures and they're so excited. But those who didn't make it to the top, They remain quiet as they leave to go home, knowing that they never made it to their destination, all because they let comfort stop the calling. My word to you today is don't let comfort stop the calling that God has for you in your life. Proverbs 11.3 says the integrity of the upright actually guides us. If you would like to put in the GPS coordinates for your earthly destination, just type in the word integrity. And God will lead you through integrity day in and day out. And you'll begin to have the character that you need to sustain the destiny that God has for you. If you want to reach the top of the mountain, you can't follow everybody else. You can't do what's easy. You can't do what's comfortable. If you really want to be fulfilled, You have to let character be more important than comfort. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our musicians can come on up. Prayer partners can come on down. I want to just give you a minute. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to just spend a few minutes just listening to God.
you know, the good news is, is that we can start over today. That's really good news. It's easy to think. It's easy to think I've messed up too much to, you know, get to the place God has for me. That's a lie from the devil. It's easy to think, man, I've been through so much. I have so many bad habits, addictions. I'll never get to where I'm supposed to be. That's a lie from the devil, too. If you're still breathing, <laughs> if you're still breathing, you can have everything you need today to fulfill your God-given destiny. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I am saying this. You'll never walk up the mountain alone. You will never be alone if you choose to keep going forward in God. So I just want to just kind of maybe just pray a prayer of, of renewal in your life. If you're here today and, um, and God spoke to you and, and you recognize that there's some things that, that you're going to do your part in that you haven't been doing. And you've been relying on the fact, well, I love Jesus and I'm, you know, it's just all going to be okay. There's some times where you're going to have to cry out to God. There's some times where you're going to have to shut yourself in your room turn off your phone there's some times where you're going to have to call somebody and say listen I feel like I'm about to jump off this mountain I need you to come eat lunch with me I need you to pray for me or something but if you're here today and, and maybe you've been more focused on being comfortable being a person of character and you want me to pray for you I, I'd love to pray for you so I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands right now just for 30 seconds okay, 30 seconds hands lifted Lord the faith to lift our hands says that we recognize we cannot do it without you. We cannot do it alone. God, we don't want to keep living this way. We don't want to keep rejecting your grace. We don't want to, we don't want to stay in the halfway house for sure. Lord, every person who had the faith to raise their hand, right now, God asks you just put this high level of perseverance on the inside, a persevering spirit, a spirit that says nothing's going to stop me, nothing's going to keep me down, nothing's going to keep me in this halfway house, I'm going to the top of the mountain, I'm going to grab a hold of God's hand and I'm going to just, if he has to drag me, I'm going to let him drag me, but I'm not staying where I'm at today, this stagnant spirit is gone in the name of Jesus. This attitude of being comfortable rather than having character, gone in the name of Jesus. God, thank you so much for having an amazing destiny for every person in this room. And Lord, thank you for giving us your grace so we can actually be the people we're called to be to sustain the destiny that you've called us to have. We ask it right now in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Y'all can stand to your feet. We have prayer partners here at the front. We have prayer partners at the back of church. Don't leave church today, you know, upset, discouraged, guilty, in fear, whatever it is. Come down for prayer. We want to pray for you. If you're visiting with us, I would love to meet you face-to-face -face in our fellowship hall after service. Uh, if you watch this online, thank you so much for watching us. God bless you. Have a great week. And uh, we're going to sing one more worship song, and then we'll dismiss you. You are closer, closer than my skin.